Welcome to the Fresh Nest Podcast, where we talk all things freshening your nest, from decluttering to design, decor and home styling. I'm Hannah Bullivant, an interior designer, interior stylist and content creator, and I teach folk to declutter, design and decorate their home from a place of self-knowing. Welcome back to the Freshness Podcast after a very accidental life-shaped hiatus, but it is really lovely to be in your ears again. When I was thinking about what my comeback episode should be, I took inspiration from the season that we are currently in, which is the very depths of winter. I want to talk a little bit about embracing winter and winter styling and just generally our homes in winter. So I'm going to start this with my story of hating winter because I absolutely used to despise winter. Absolutely hate it. I now absolutely love it. When I was 10, the week before Christmas, my mum died of cancer So it's always just felt an incredibly sad time. Generally, I've got really bad circulation. I was freezing cold most of every winter and lived in an old rickety drafty house. I really suffered with SAD as well. And then fast forward to now, I absolutely love it. And I think the main reason for the big change is because I have learned to listen to what it's trying to say. Lots of folk really struggle with winter. Lots of folk have SAD and find the darkness and cold just claustrophobic and depressing. And if this is you, I'm sorry. I know how that feels and it sucks, but it does not have to. And I hope I can shed some light on that in this episode. It is particularly hard if you live in a country with long winters like we do. If you hate winter in a country with long winters, it means you're spending most of every year feeling really depressed and miserable. And I just don't want that for you. Today, I'm going to be talking about embracing winter and styling for winter, all focused on how to enjoy this season. My first point is that we need winter. This was the pivotal realisation for me. I also need this reminder over and over again. We cannot be in a constant state of growth and productivity. We would burn out big time if this were the case. We need periods of being fallow. We need darkness, just like in nature, which spends nearly half of the year resting and sleeping. And I need to learn this even today because I feel the need to be productive. Oh man, I value my day against how productive it's been. And I have to stop myself and ask, am I rested? Did I sleep enough? Did I do something pleasurable? And actively step away from that need to be on and productive 24-7, which is generated by a toxic capitalist and patriarchal system that we live in. My second realisation about winter is that winter does, does not equal death. There's actually a lot happening in winter, in nature, I mean. So the trees and nature in general isn't just dead. It is resting. It is gathering energy, ruminating, getting ready for growth. And I just think that is such an incredibly valuable mindset shift. A lot of resting happens in winter. Nature is resting and recouping and getting ready to grow. 
illness is rife each winter. And I think a lot of that is our bodies telling us to slow down. And it's incredibly valuable to try to prevent it by resting rather than powering through until we can't get out of bed. Now, I have to just note here that it is a privilege to take three days off work and head to head off a cold in bed. Caring and money earning responsibilities may mean that this is not possible. I mean, if you do have a job where you can take a few days off to head off an illness, my God, you should do that. Um, But if you cannot do that, how can you incorporate more rest? So this January, I was super intentional about taking it incredibly slowly. I've read six books. I have literally scheduled days and half days in bed. And it's felt so restful and nourishing. I've been planning my year, setting up my planner, figuring out how I want to feel this year, figuring out my income goals, doing business planning, planning for my personal life, all quite gently and slowly and often from my bed. I've also been doing house pottering and decluttering, which also feels really, really lovely. And this January has felt like one of the most restful Januaries I have ever had. I have prioritised rest over almost everything else. So I have massively slimmed down any appointments, work calls, even social activities this month just to completely recharge after a really busy Christmas and um, months leading up to Christmas. And I've just learned that if I don't take that time to rest, I just get ill. My body will literally just stop me. These realisations have been long and slow, but life-changing for me. Like literally gone from hating winter to loving it. Not all the facets of it, but just a deeper understanding of why we need it. Okay, so what if you can accept that we need winter, that we can't always be growing and producing and being active, but you still find it miserable? What then? We move to... How can we support ourselves to have a cosy, restful, joyful winter? And I'm talking here about a literal winter, but also a figurative winter. So you could be in a winter in one period of your life. For example, you might be grieving the death of a loved one, but you might be in a summer period emotionally in another period of your life. So you might be having a really amazing, fruitful time with your children. So these things can coexist. Why is she talking about embracing winter and rest so much as an interior designer and stylist? Um, And the reason is because I believe that our homes can make the difference between a dreary, depressing winter and a joyful, restful winter. I believe that our home is key to that transition. And I'm going to tell you why. Most of us are spending more time in our homes than at any point in history. Post-COVID, this is now even higher. Loads of people have not returned to their normal working pattern and are spending at least part of the week working from home. Our social lives, our travelling lives are um, just changed forever in the wake of a post-COVID life. And lots of us are just spending loads more time at home. So... It makes a huge amount of sense that the way our homes 
function and feel will have such a big impact on our mood and our happiness. And you've heard me talking about this lots of times before, but it's critical. And again, even more critical when we are in winter. You might work from home part of or all of the week. You might be caring for young children at home. You might be homeschooling. You might be socialising less so you're at home more. You might have a health issue that means that you're stuck at home more. I want to give some ideas to create as many cosy, glowy pockets of loveliness in your home as possible. So the way that I teach this, that I encourage you to do this, is by thinking about islands of calm. This is an overwhelm-friendly way of upping the levels of beauty and joy and calm in your home without feeling like you need to overhaul the entire house. If you are mid-renovation, mid-decor project, or your house is just a massive mess and you're looking at it and you know you need the house to feel nice in order to feel good, then focus on islands of calm. So shift your focus away from, I need to deal with this room, to, I need to create islands of calm. It is life-changing, let me tell you. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how you can create islands of calm in your home. When I'm working with my design clients, I get them to focus on this, no matter what stage in the design process they're at. And even if they are pre any kind of design, they've just moved into a project and it's gross. In fact, for those clients, it's even more important that there are islands of calm and beauty, um, especially if you're surrounded by renovation chaos. If you've ever lived in a home that's being renovated, you know how dusty, depressing and dreary it can be. So if this is you, please do yourself a favour and create some islands of calm in your home. Let's talk about islands of calm. The first one I'm going to talk about is the bedside table. I will bang on about the potential of a bedside table till the cows come home. It is the last thing we see at night, the first thing we see in the morning. Clear off the dust, take away the books that you've read and don't need there anymore, get rid of the tablets and medicines that you had from when you were poorly that you don't need anymore, clear off the random crap that's gathered there. And then instead, put a scented candle there and some beautiful winter branches, a diffuser, just something that really smells divine. Smells are incredibly important. I'm going to encourage you to do what you can to scent your home in a beautiful way, even if you are mid-renovation, even if it is a big mess. This could be via scented candles. This could be via reed diffusers. This could be any kind of diffuser. Maybe it's an electric plug-in diffuser, or maybe you can buy little cedar balls that you can soak essential oil into that um, release scent into the room. There's loads of different ways that you can scent a space beautifully. Do yourself a favour and scent your space. My preferred method of scenting a space is either, if I kind of do all of it, actually, I've got reed diffusers, I have got scented candles, I've got an essential oil burner. And then I also have pure organic essential lavender oil, which I flick around my home. This is the quickest, most effective way to do it. If you buy pure essential oil, it evaporates and it won't stain. So I will walk around my home, flipping it on all of the bed covers, on clothes, on any washing that's drying. And it just means that there's a lovely lavender scent in my home all year round. Think about your bedside table, but yes, think about scent in particular. And when I say put something like a winter branch on your table, 
gosh, I mean, the power of a beautiful branch cannot be underestimated, let me tell you. Um, so it can just be a few twigs, um, sprigs from an evergreen, some twigs, always looks chic, and just add some life, some shape, and some organic movement to an otherwise stale, steady space. The next island of calm to, to talk about and to think about and to focus on is the kitchen table. So I want you to try to create an island of calm on your kitchen table. Even if it's just half of the table, I realise that clearing off the entire table might be too much of a big job for you right now. And if that's you, I get it. But what I want you to do is, well, I still want you to do this. It will make such a big difference. So the way I create a little island of calm on the kitchen table is I have a wooden tray. I think I got it from a charity shop, but you could also use a plate. And it has some dinner candles in it, maybe a little pot with matches in, a pot with spare candles and some seasonings for the table. So it's not fancy, but it's just like almost like a mini altar or pause in the middle of a chaotic table so that you know that you've got something lovely. Also lighting the candles, which I massively encourage you to do at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, by yourself, with friends, with your children. It just adds such a sense of calm to a table. And of course, some flowers or some branches or something living or dried instead. Okay, the next island of calm is a mantelpiece or a sideboard if you don't have one. Clear off your mantelpiece and instead just put some of your favourite, most treasured, beautiful items there and consider, consider this a museum of you. So think about a photo of a treasured holiday, a photo of a favourite person, a memento, so a little object that reminds you of something really joyful. Um, a collection of pebbles or shells or feathers from a an important walk that you took or from a favourite place. Vary the heights. So add some tall candles or some tall branches or maybe a taller piece of art that you lean against the back of the fireplace or a beautiful, glorious big mirror. And you have yourself an island of calm in your living room. My last island of calm that I want to talk about is, I think, the ultimate island of calm. And that is, drum roll please, the bed. So I am dedicating most of the rest of this podcast to talk about the glory that is the bed. I love my bed so much, literally so much. Just thinking about it makes me smile. So this bed section has subsections. Oh yes, my friend, I do take it very, very seriously. So I'm going to talk about the basics of creating your dream bed situation, because I want for you what I have when I look at my bed, which is just a sigh of pleasure, a desire to crawl in. So I want you to feel so happy when you think about your bed that you cannot wait to get in it. And do you see now <laughs> how doing this massively aids your general love of winter, or at least tolerance of winter? Okay, so we're going to start with the basics, your bed structure. So do you like the bed? Is it squeaky and rickety? Could you spend time tightening bolts, shoring it up? Maybe you've got a broken bed slat and that needs fixing and um, just so it feels really sturdy and solid. Do you need to replace the headboard? If you hate the headboard and you can't afford to replace it, could you hang a quilt or comforter or blanket over it instead? Is there something else you could do? Could you paint your bed a joyful colour or a calming colour? Okay, so get the actual structure of the bed right. 
So the next thing to talk about is the mattress. So this is not sponsored in any way, but we have a Lisa mattress. It was a PR, part of a PR campaign when I was pregnant with Auden. So it is now seven, no, six years old. He's nearly six. Now, if I were to get a mattress, I would get a natural one. And I've been looking at Natural Mat, which is a UK brand. None of this is sponsored, okay? I'm just sharing uh, what I've been thinking about because I like the idea of my bed being quite clean to sleep on. And sometimes memory foam mattresses can be really plasticky and not good for the environment. However, our Lisa memory foam mattress has been a dream. My husband and I sleep so much better on it than we did on our previous mattress. I really like memory foam because it means that we don't jostle each other in the bed when we're sleeping. And it's a queen size, so you need to get the right size of bed for your, for you and your family as well. So the space for all of us, because my children, my youngest particularly, often get in in the night. Okay, so the next thing to talk about is the mattress cover or topper. You should protect your mattress, especially if you've invested in a fancy mattress, even if you've just invested in a basic mattress. You don't want to be spending those hundreds of pounds again. Invest in a mattress protector. It will save you loads of money. It will mean that your mattress lasts for so much longer. Mattresses can get gross real quick, (laughs) so you need to look after your mattress. I have a child who gets in our bed still and occasionally has an accident. It's delightful. So we have to have a waterproof protector on our bed. So I use a waterproof sheet with a terry towel inside so it doesn't sound or feel too plasticky. That's my compromise. If you like the feel of a cloud, so getting in a feeling like you are literally sinking into a cloud, then you also need to add a mattress topper. Or if you have a spare double or king size duvet, put that underneath the sheet and then just experience how gorgeous and soft it is to climb into bed with that extra layer of softness under your sheet. It is such a treat. If you like a firm bed, you may not like a topper. So this is all down to your personal preference. Whatever you do, you should be making your bed your ideal bed. I personally love the bed to feel like a big, cosy, comforting cloud nest. So I love all the softness. Okay, then we get on to our duvet and pillows. Uh, My preference since I was a child is to have feather duvets and pillows. Now, there are some serious ethical concerns about down the down industry because it can be really cruel to the birds. So I got around this by buying secondhand pillows and secondhand duvet. Now I realise some people might be completely grossed out by that. I just was not. You could always launder it after you buy it. I did with the pillows. Both times they'd been barely used, like literally once or twice someone had bought them as guest bedding and then not used them. I think that's happened quite a lot post-COVID, people realising they don't need things like that. I was perfectly happy to, to have that. You want something that's breathable, that's natural, and that keeps you super cosy and warm. So in the UK, the standard is to have a fitted sheet on your bed and then a duvet inside a duvet cover. Now, there are different um, setups of bed all around the world. Um, And again, I'm going to tell you what I do. And I want to encourage you to design and curate your ideal bed. Okay, moving on to bed linen. So The big thing here is to try, if you can, to stay away from polycottons, which are sweaty, or anything that isn't natural. If that places it outside of your budget, then look uh, really look out on secondhand sites for something in your budget. The good thing about bedding is that you can stick it on a 90 wash and know that you're going to be getting something perfectly fine. You could boil it if you want, if you're super squeamish. Um, But I've bought lots of secondhand beddings uh, um, for kids and things from Facebook Marketplace, from eBay um, and other places like that. 
I cannot regulate my body temperature. I've never been able to since I was a child, either too hot or too cold. So whatever I have on my bed needs to be breathable. So I have as much natural breathable material around me on my bed as possible. My preference is 100% pure linen. If you know me, you won't be surprised by this at all. So I find it wears really well. It is so soft, it's breathable, and it feels absolutely gorgeous against my skin. There are so many linen brands now available, ranging from shops like H&M and Zara Home, all the way up to real bespoke linen companies. My opinion on the matter is that you want thick linen. Linen can sometimes be disappointingly thin. And so I would say go to the shops and try to feel it or ask for a sample. And again, secondhand, is some, you can sometimes get some amazing bargains secondhand as well. And with your bedding, I want to encourage you to choose fun colours. So a fun colour for you might be beige, okay? So, you know, whatever fun means for you. Bedding is where you can have fun because you can change it so easily. And especially if you rent and you can't decorate your space, this is where you could bring in an unusual, unexpected colour. You could bring in a gorgeous pattern. I've got this deep terracotta red set that I just adore and it brings so much life to the room. Okay, so now we get onto bed styling. <laughs> so I like to have extra pillows on the bed. I have a mixture of two large square pillows. I think there's something like 50 centimetres squared, like half a metre. So they are quite large. And then I also have two smaller square pillows. And then I sometimes also have a long bolster. If you have pillows on your bed, the main thing is that they are adequately plump. To do that, you want to add in a, an inner that is either one size too big or you combine inners together so that they're gorgeous and fat. You don't want thin floppy pillows. They just look crap. And a thin floppy inner can make even a luxury pillowcase look really crap. So try to focus on getting a really lovely inner. And if you can't afford to buy new inners, just stuff extra inners into the, into the pillows that you have to make them really plump. And then you just want to stack them up big to small, standing up. And then that's kind of how you get that hotel bed look as well. I like, I spend a lot of time in my bed. So I like the extra pillows for lounging and reading and watching TV. You might prefer a more minimalist setup as well. Again, your bed, you have to create your dream bed. But for me, I like having lots of pillows on my bed. I like to have at least one blanket on the end of the bed. To make it super cloud-like, I really like to style a bed with a duvet and then a quilt, something that's quite thick, and then a blanket. I know, I really do like a nest. And then you can experiment. You might want to fold the duvet back so that you see the colour on the inside of the duvet. You might want to tuck it under the pillows. You might want to have the duvet over the top of the pillows. You can experiment and play around. And again, play around with colours and patterns here as well. You could bring in some really gorgeous colours on your pillows, your quilts, your blankets, and just have some fun with it. And the last point to make about the bed is to spend time making your bed every morning so that when you get home after work or when you finish for work for the day, it is ready for you. It's welcoming you. It's this gorgeous retreat that you cannot wait to throw your face into. I work in my bedroom, so I always make my bed in the morning because I love to look at it longingly during the day. Often when it starts to get dark at three o'clock, I will turn my bedside light on so it's casting that cosy glow. And it just makes it so inviting. I have made my bed so incredibly inviting and welcoming. So I just cannot wait to snuggle into it. So yeah, I want to ask you, 
how you could make your bed the coziest nest that you could possibly make and it should feel joyful so style style wise gather together really joyful prints colors patterns to just that just make it into your dream bed and then how can you clear your schedule or clear your day to spend as much time in there as possible you might only be able to add an extra 20 minutes of an early night and if you if that's you you should go for it but if you are able to give yourself some lie-ins uh, some afternoons in bed even if that requires getting some support or help from friends or family members i really encourage you to do that to recap i talked about my story of winter how I came to embrace and understand it. Then I talked about how to embrace winter at home and how to style for the season in a way that supports our mental and emotional well-being. I talked about creating islands of calm around the home, the bedside table, the kitchen table, mantelpieces, and the ultimate island of calm, which is the bed. And I talked a lot about the bed and how to create your dream bed situation. So it's over to you. Where are you going to create an island of calm in your home? And how are you going to up-level your bed? If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review. It will just really help the podcast to get going. And I will be back next time. Thanks for listening.